listening to the Fish on Ted podcast with your host, Ted Johnson. Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening today. We're recording this the first week of February 2020. It's show season in the Northern Hemisphere for a lot of you. And I just thank you so much for tuning in. We've got a really great guest today, and I think you're uh, really going to enjoy this. And so without further ado, let me introduce to you Larry Lott. Uh, Larry is a very diverse individual, and he's going to talk today about business and growing a business um, in and through and despite adversity. Now, let me tell you a little more about Larry. Larry is an advocate and a business guy who's absolutely at fun, a, a phenomenal success at promoting his cause and himself. Now, get these figures. Larry most current YouTube post was done two days ago. This is done, uh, I think, February the 2nd. And in two days, Larry has had over 250,000 hits on that one YouTube post. He started this YouTube channel back in November 7th of 2019, so just a few months ago, and now has over 7 million views to date. I mean, it's just blowing up. Larry has been featured as a guest on Fox News on The Huckabee Show. If you've been uh, living under a rock, you might uh, need to know that uh, The Huckabee Show is hosted by presidential candidate Mike Huckabee. Larry's also been a guest on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, The 700 Club, and ABC World News. He's also been a guest uh, on CNN News, in particular with Brooke Baldwin. And you got to listen to that, um, uh, that segment. Do a search for that, and I think you'll enjoy that. Larry and his program, Reality Check, was recently recognized in 2013 Washington, D.C. on the floor of the Congress. He's a best-selling author of the book Gangster Redemption. He's the founder of Reality Check Program, a program for at-risk teens and young adults. He has a, a consulting firm that uh, he runs along with all of that. He's a motivational speaker, TV personality, has a law degree and a practicing paralegal. He's an honorary police officer for the St. Louis uh, Lake um, uh, Missouri Police Department. And his bio, is, if you can imagine, is listed under Wikipedia along with all the other famous people in the world. And I think his most important accomplishment, and I think Larry will agree, is, is, is that he's a, a loving father and a very devout grand, uh, grandpa. Most people with this many accolades, it's taken a year for them, not a year, a lifetime, if you may, to get where Larry is, and Larry's done it in 12 short years. Now, I've got to tell you a little about Larry's background. Prior to Larry's business success, Larry was on a very special list. He was on the FBI's most wanted list as the most notorious jewel thief in the U.S., yeah, he was associated with the Gambino a crime family, stole over $18 million in jewelry from high-end jewelry stores up and down the East Coast during the 80s and 90s. And after he was apprehended, he spent 12 years in the federal prison system, which was his adversity at this point that we'll be talking about. And many of those years were uh, in solitary confinement. 
And Larry, I hope you're with us after that long introduction. Are you there? I'm here, Ted, and thanks for the talk. But let it, it's almost near 10 million views, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll wait a week, and then you'll get 10 million views, man. Holy smokes. Now, next video will make it 10 million. We're at 9,770. I just, just looking as I do check analytics, like a lot of your uh, um, listeners, I'm sure, do, or business people. Yeah. They're always checking their analytics. Yeah, yeah. Holy smokes, man. That is just blown up on you. Congratulations. You know, Ted, it's amazing how, you know, perseverance really does that. And as a man who's, as you said, went through a lot, uh, all through my own, and I'm gonna, let me emphasize this to your listeners. I, I was a bad guy when I was younger. I made a lot of mistakes. I associated with the wrong people, and I'm not proud of that. Uh, I am proud of the fact that what I do today is help young people, help businesses, help uh, uh, law enforcement. And even even with helping law enforcement, I'm, I also slam law enforcement. When they're wrong, they're wrong. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not one to mince words. And I think that has helped me along the way, uh, being true to who you are. And that's, you know, one of the big things I tell people is if you love it, whether it's fishing, whether it's just business, whether it's, I don't know, parts of the fishing business, as you know, to let yeah. your listeners know, I'm also a retired Coast Guard. So uh, I actually uh, we used to save the fishermen in Alaska. We used to do the uh, fisheries conservation against other countries. And we also used to do uh, save guys like on Deadliest Catch. We used to go out there, oh, boy, did we eat good, good crab. And uh, didn't pay for a drink in a bar either up there. But it's... <laughs> But I'll that was some that, years ago. Yeah. Now, now you were based on Kodiak. Is that right? Oh, well, we were out of Hawaii and we used to do three month patrols. I was on the Coast Guard Cutter Jarvis and we uh -huh. used to go to Alaska for three months. And uh, yes, well, we were in the Alaska area and we went all through Alaska and talk about great country. People have no idea. I don't care where you're from. If you haven't seen Alaska, Alaska is one of the most beautiful places on, on the planet. And we would be stationed and that's where we would do our refueling and stuff. Not much right. to do there, Kodiak, Alaska. But we've been through all up and down from Juneau, Anchorage, uh, uh, Stewart, uh, all, all, all through Atlanta, uh, Alaska. It's a beautiful country. Uh, oh, it's, state. it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, it, that we've, we've got a lot of listeners out of the state of Alaska, actually a lot out of Kodiak. And, you know, the fishing yeah. thing and... And I was up there last summer and, and spent a, a couple of weeks and it, it just really rejuvenates people. You know, when you get out there in the middle of nowhere and, and kind of uh, uh, console with nature and your thoughts and that sort of thing, it's an incredible place to be. It really is. Anybody in Alaska, I did my survival school up in Alaska and uh, not only in Kodiak, I meant, and what a, just like you said, the people were nice, the, they loved us. I mean, we used to save people. I mean, that was our jobs up there. We weren't into law enforcement up there. It was really all about going out in those storms. And I've been in some really, really rough seas, 50 foot seas out there trying, you know, going to help people. And wow. it was amazing. I loved it. And I got hurt out there. And that's when I ended up getting retired from the Coast Guard. I got hurt on the Jarvis. And after that, I ended up uh, getting retired from the Coast Guard. <laughs> Listen, I'm getting old, too. I was retired in 86. I went in in 79. I was in seven years, wow. four months, and three, 28 days. I think it was something like that. Yeah, exactly. 
And I loved it. I mean, I enjoyed it. I was what they call a bosun mate. I was a small boat captain. I ended mm-hmm. up actually working cruise ships after that. And uh, so oh, yeah. I had my licenses and stuff. Oh, yeah. I worked just for a few months, uh, six months. I decided I didn't like that. I worked at a Hawaii, at a Hawaii the American Hawaiian Cruise Lines. Yeah. And I didn't like that. So, yeah. Uh, but, yes, I enjoyed it a lot, uh, Ted. And, and, and loved the Coast Guard. Loved fishermen. I mean, I, oh, I grew up near water, even though it's New York City. I grew up in uh, right off the East River. And literally, we used to swim in Long Island, the south end of Long Island Sound near the Throgs Neck Bridge. And uh-huh. did a lot of fishing, bass fishing, and stuff right off the jetties and stuff. So I was around water my whole life and love it. And I'm one of those blessed people who don't get seasick. So oh. it's, you know... A, I've been in such season. I'd be messing with people smoking cigars when they're all puking. Uh, but and that's just luck, of course, because we all know yeah. it's the equilibrium. So, yeah. but I'm here to help you out whatever way you want in the show. You got a great show, Ted, and uh, well, helping you, people. And well, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. we've uh, we've got we've got a lot of listeners out of New York and and up out of Montauk and then north through. Uh, Oh, uh, Massachusetts and and, uh, and those areas. And so, uh, yeah, I'm sure. very familiar with those areas. That, that's terrific. So so when you got out of the Coast Guard and then you got done with the cruise ships, uh, give us a little background. What, uh, what happened in your life then? Well, you know, I, I grew up in the Bronx in Brooklyn, New York, and I grew up with the wise guys. And I was a rough kid and uh-huh. did bad things as a kid. And Back in those days, in 1978, I was in trouble, and I decided it was this point that I went to Lehman High School in the Bronx. It was time to get out of there, and I went in the Coast Guard. I took the exams, and I went in the Coast Guard at 17 years old and did great, but I got a little trouble there. When I was in the service, I still had that that earning for, you know, the fast life, the, you know, power, the, the struggle of of really the support system of who you're going to look up to that kind of stuff. I was a kid. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. care if you're 18, 19, you're still a kid. Right. And I did. So I ended up even going in the coast guard, did very well in the coast guard. I was with a Bosa mate, which everybody will understand that. So I was running the deck crew. I had about 60 guys on the Jarvis working for me and as a Bosa mate. So it was really a good thing. I had three third classes, uh, and 55 seamen, and we did all the deck stuff on the ships, so boat ops, so towing and, and rescue and stuff of that nature. Yeah. And then I, I got out of the service when I got hurt in 1986. But before 86, I was stationed on, I don't know if you know this island, it was Governor's Island, New York. And at oh, that sure. time, that whole island w- was Coast Guard. So I, that's where I retired out of. And that was really they just there, and I was waiting for my retirement. They were sending me back and forth to medical, and I ended up working back with my buddies from the mob, and I ended up going into uh, being a bouncer and a bartender and a bookmaker and then Lone Shark in New York, and then it was in Queens. Yeah. And then got back into that, more of that bad life, and now I'm sucked in, totally sucked in. was good at it. No matter what I did, I was very dedicated to and hard worker and very loyal. Yeah. Uh, Ted, I want to make that a big point of your show. To this day, I went to prison and I didn't tell. I I don't believe in that. I went away for four 12-year sentences and beat a life sentence. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here if I didn't beat the life sentence and I beat the gun yeah. charge. And 
uh, that's by getting my law degree. And I can't be a lawyer uh, because I don't have a, a felon. If you're a felon, you can't be a lawyer. So I'm a licensed paralegal. And I could work in the law. I don't like lawyers like a lot of people. I, I can't say that per se. But yeah. I've seen a lot of lawyers. They call them sharks because they, they prey on the weak. And that is very mm-hmm. true about mm-hmm. what I've seen in the system and everything else. But after that, I when I did go to prison, I ended up robbing between 15 and $18 million. That's what the government had on it, maybe more. And wow. it was over 20 stores, uh, major jewelry stores. You know, it's funny, the FBI who caught me, you know, and, and I, again, I don't want to sound like this is the right thing to do. Right. Uh, I didn't hurt anybody in a robbery. I never hurt mm-hmm. anybody. And if, I never hurt anybody who wasn't in my business. Let's put it that way. If you were in the gangster business and you ran across me back in those days, yeah. I was what you'd call an honorary fisherman. <laughs> you didn't want to run across that guy. And okay. uh, But as far as uh, uh, what a hurt nobody hurt, but they are hurt. You know, you scare people, you put fear into them to get the robbery done. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the federal government, the FBI, when they caught me, they said, Barry, you were the best that ever did it. And that's known. He goes, why didn't you quit? And I said, you know, the, the high I got out of that, and I'm like most people, I've done every drug, everything you can do. I don't do anything now, obviously. Right. And I've got that out of my system. But you know, what happened, Ted, was I'm a person that that believes in hard work will always pay off. But I did very well at robbing jewelry stores. And I my first robbery was a setup with the mob. I was associated with the Gambino crime family. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, and as an associated crime family, I had to kick up money and you do that for protection. And that's a whole nother show. Right. But as I did all of that, I uh, did very well, made millions of dollars, lived very well. I was in South Florida, made millions of dollars, lived it, had multiple homes, horses, boats, you name it. I just bought it. And that goes to show you that, you know, just money isn't happiness. That's for sure. It's the chase for what you do that is happiness. And Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll get into that in a little bit. So after that, Ted, I got it after I, Ran and I had a hell of a run from late eighties to ninety six. I got arrested, and wow. I robbed the jewelry stores up and down the East Coast, millions of dollars. Again, didn't hurt any. Matter of fact, the FBI said, "You know, Larry, you know who really doesn't like you?" And I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "It was very hard to get a lot of the jewelry store owners to even say anything bad against you. You got to remember they they sold their whole store, if you want to call yeah. it that. You know, on a robbery and they got insurance." Wow, they had a ring sitting there for years or two. Now it's gone. They're getting money for it. Oh, so okay. my my point is, he says, you know who really doesn't like you, Larry? The insurance companies. They yeah. want you bad. You know, they didn't know who I was. They knew my M.O. And I didn't know mm-hmm. all that at the time. Mm-hmm. So when I got caught, the FBI, you know, they had me and they had everything. But they ended up finding the guns I threw away. I didn't want guns. So I put them in threw him into a uh, like a, a retention pond at a rest stop in Florida. Oh, FBI uh-huh. sent dive teams there and got those. So really? I beat the gun charge. Yeah, I beat the gun charge. And by beating the gun charge, I didn't have a life sentence. I ended up getting four 12-year sentences. So it wasn't no little couple of years. I yeah. did four 12-year sentences in maximum security prisons, which are rough. And I've had to fight my life, you know, as a white man, in 
prison, you are the minority. There's only 15% of white in prison, and, and trust me when I say you are the minority. And you fight okay. for what you have to. And I yeah. ended up fighting the system, as you know. Uh, I still do to this day. It's one of my passions. I spent three years in the hole, Ted. I was strapped down naked, beaten, tortured, and pissed on by guards. Oh, and, really? uh, you know, I, I, I got the chills running down me. I told that story on my uh, YouTube channel, and I hope your listeners go there, Larry Lawton, the YouTube channel. And I will tell you, I, I just cut goosebumps off because I think about that. But I'll tell you something, Ted. It's amazing how it took me years. But at, at one time, of course, I would say, I, if I ever saw that guy, I would kill him. And it took me many years before now. I, I really feel, and I'm not very religious or anything, but I am spiritual. I think I'll pray for that guy. And I'll yeah. tell you why. Because how bad is your life if you're abusing a man when he's in the worst part of his life? That guard and a yeah, few guards right. were, they must have been living in a hell and going home to a hell. And I don't know what their wives did to them, that they were so nasty. They had to do this to another man to feel good about themselves, that yeah. they must have been going home. And, and being worse than I ever was. So it took me many years to get over that. And that helped a lot, obviously, in business and everything else, which we'll go into. Sure. And now I, I, you know, got out of prison in, in 2007 after a long stretch from 1996 to 2007. And when I got out of prison, it, you know, it was not easy at all. The adjustment period, everything yeah. else. And you know, being institutionalized. There's whole videos I have on this on on the YouTube channel, mm -hmm. and then obviously starting the business. And I started my business by passion. And when you want to get into that, we'll start that as well. Whatever you want to do. Ted. Yeah, I'm here. Well, for you. And and that was a question I had of you. I mean, was was there a was there a point somewhere in in your incarceration period or when you got out and you said, "This is what I want to do." Right. It was it was was there that crowning point where you just go, you know, I'm going to start my life headed this way. Right. And and which was your, your business side of what you're doing. Well, it wasn't just like that. And what happened was when I was in prison, you got to remember, I ended up getting out of prison at 46 years old. I went in at 34 years old. I got mm -hmm. out at 46 years old. And when I was in there, Ted, I saw young people coming to prison. I mean, 20 years old, 21. They think they're tough on the streets. They get there, and it's a whole different animal. Surprise, and, huh? you know, you see, you're, oh, it's, uh, it, you know, they think they're tough until they run into a guy that will kill them without blinking. And uh, and the the sexual assaults and rapes and stuff you hear and the screaming at night will, you know, to this day I live with it, and uh, it, it's just something I have to live with and get over. And every day I do better, I think, in life. Uh-huh. But now I educate people. And I always said I want to talk to kids about that. But that's not how the business started. What happened was I got out of prison and I was only out about six weeks. And being I, I did the law while I was in prison and I got mm -hmm. my degree in prison, I got offered a lot of jobs. I was very good. I did really. I practiced law for 10 years in prison. And I used to work in the law libraries and I did people's cases and fought the prison system. And that was my big advocacy to, to fight the abuses. The prison killed three of my friends, literally killed them, the prison. Really? And so I was very, very adamant about fighting them. And I wrote senators, congressmen, filed lawsuits, you name it. I did all of that. 
And so I had a lot of law experience. And when I got out, I knew I could get a job with any lawyer uh, writing briefs. I couldn't appear in court because I don't have my law license. I can't take the bar in most states. Right. So, but what I could do is study the law, research it, write their briefs, stuff of that nature. And sure enough, I, I was got offered jobs. But I was out about six weeks, and a friend comes up to me, and he says, hey, Larry, he goes, I need a favor. And I said, what the F do you want to do? You, what do you, come on, man. I just got out of the joint. Right. I, and, and if your viewers look at me, I look like a burly fisherman. I'm a pretty big guy, you know, kind of tough guy, grew up in the streets and stuff mm-hmm. of that nature. And I said, I said to the guy, I said, man, leave me alone. I said, I just got out. I don't want to get in that business anymore. You know, he goes, no, 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 laugh. He goes, I caught my 16-year-old kid smoking weed, and he said, F you, Dad, where have you ever been? I go, oh, what? Wow. I said, your kid told you that? I said, I'll talk to your kid. Yeah. I ended up figuring out, I mean, I, talk about blessed. I don't even know why. I have pictures. If people go on my Instagram, you could see pictures of me in prison with life sentence, gangsters, gang members, and you can't mm-hmm. do that anymore, but I have it. So I took the pictures to see the kid. The guy was a golf pro. I'm a golfer. And uh, so he says, uh, can you speak? I said, oh, sure, I'll do it. On a fr- I remember it was a Friday, too. I yeah. go see the guy, and he had a gazebo in the back. I talked to him. I said to him, what do you want? What's going on with the kid? He's telling me how disrespectful he was. He's a big kid, too. Bigger than me, but not intimidating and not, you know, again, it's like you could tell somebody who's been around. Yeah. So I walk in, I said, let me speak to him. He's in his room. He goes, Larry, you can do anything you want to him. I don't care if you beat the hell out of him. He says, no, I said, I don't do that. I'm not going to hit him. I says, but right, I'm going right. to talk to him for a while. So just leave us alone. Don't come in. He goes, oh, Larry, take all the time you want. Mm-hmm. So I went in there and I, ha- and I had pictures, Ted, of, again, these pictures you'll see all over. And I walk into the kid and I, I cursed two words, Ted. I said, you told your father where the F you been? And, and the kid looked at me, and I'm look. He's looking at this big guy with a cut-off shirt, big arms, tattoos. He's looking. He's a big kid, but he's like, oh, you can tell he's scared as hell. He and I said, I'm gonna show you where the, I'm gonna show you where the f I just come from. Right. And I sat down, and he looked at me, and I said, you see this kid here? This was my cell. He's dead. He was killed for a book of stamps. Yeah, a book of stamps. You see this kid? He had his anus cut for the sharp object from the top of his anus to his scrotum and seminal fluid was found. You want that to happen because I don't care what you think you are. And I started going, talking about every picture. And the kid, you could see his wheels turning, Ted. You could see it. Yeah. And I was in there about an hour, 45 minutes, two hours, something like that. I come out. I said, hey, just let me know what happened. He goes, Larry, I really appreciate it. Can I give you money? I said, no, you know, pride. But then he ended up giving me money and helping me. Mm-hmm. And I ended up saying, nah, and he, he calls me up two weeks later, Ted, and he says, hey, Larry, I don't care what you do with your business. He goes, in law, he goes, but you got to work with kids. My kid come up to me and said, dad, I'm sorry. I got some problems and, and I, I need help. I don't want to go where Mr. Lawton went. Wow. My, he, said, he actually said to me, he goes, I never heard him say Mr. Lawton to anybody. And, you know, like the, the respect thing. And I said, well, that's great. He goes, Larry, can I give your number out? I said, sure. Now people are giving me a hundred bucks to talk to their kid and they're changing. So I'm really feeling good about this. Right. And then, and then what happens is I get a phone call. Great story. I get a phone call and I get the call from a court 
person named Jean Bandish. Never forget. Mm-hmm. She says to me, she goes, Mr. Law, she goes, uh, Judge Ryman would like to see you. I said, oh, really? I said, uh, I'm not seeing any judge. Well, no, right. she just wants to talk to you. I said, listen, you got a warrant? If you don't have a warrant, don't even call me. I, I know the law. You know, don't try to play you know, head games with me. I'm not seeing a judge. She goes, mm-hmm. no, no, you don't get it. She heard you speak to kids, and she wants to talk to you. I said, well, well what do you mean? She goes, no, they just want to know how you do it, maybe you know, what you're doing and stuff of that nature. Well, yeah. we're I say, okay. I end up going to a judge's meeting. Again, it was a Friday. And I had no idea how to work a computer. My nephew helps me with a PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. I don't have it. I just put together the pictures and what I say to kids. That's all I did. I thought I was going to give it to them. I said, I'll help them. If they want to help kids, I'll, I'm good for that. Right. So sure enough, I go into this meeting on a Friday. I show it, and the judge says, would you like to stay for the rest of the meeting? I said, no, I want to get out of here, which I did. I left. I didn't want to. I, yeah. I, I had to, you know, I don't like courtrooms. Right. <laughs> you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, yeah. So I go in there, Ted, and I leave, and it's on a Friday. And so Monday morning, I get a phone call from Jean Band. She goes, uh, Mr. Lawton, I got to give you a heads up. The judge sentenced two people to your program. My program? What program? What? Are you kidding me? From there, though, I developed, right now, I have the number one program helping young people. And to let your listeners know what I'm talking about, it's not for teens. My program is really for 30 years and under. Because let's face it, 20 years old is a kid, 21 Mm -hmm. years old is a kid. And a lot of your your owners of boats will understand that the maturity level is not there. So anyway, I developed this program, and they actually use it in court systems and they will sentence a person to my program. We now have it on video. We have it where a court system, if anybody's out there wants to do that, they can call and we can institute it in their court system to help people without ruining their lives. Ted, everybody makes mistakes. I don't care. Every one of your fishermen, I can tell you that, that, that business, they're good, hardworking, party hard, work hard guys. That's and you right. know what? We get older. We made our mistakes when we were younger. A lot of the guys who own boats or whatever just didn't get caught. Let's face mm-hmm. facts. I mm-hmm. did. I sold drugs. I, even in the Coast Guard, I had that in me. And I tell the story about getting weed and getting that and buying my first car. And I'm, you know, it, we did everything that most people do. And right. we learn from our mistakes. And uh, we get older. We start having kids. We have grandkids or whatever it is. And you have a different life. You want to work hard. You love what you do. Fishing. I love fishing. I mean, I love the, the, even the water. I, I have respect for the water so much because I was out in, in, in typhoons and hurricanes. And, you know, I've seen the, the power of Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. But I ended up developing the business. And now, again, now we can get into the ups and downs of business. What doesn't True. work, how much you lose, and where you learn your mistakes. Yeah. I ended up getting to this level now at my business where it's, you know, very, very nice. And more and more is happening every single day, Ted. It's That's like awesome. getting time to do an interview is even rough anymore because I'm set for a bunch of stuff today to to work on uh, what they call sponsorships. We, we got brand people calling us. We got actors and, and, and TV shows calling not only to do that, to actually uh, to be like have me wear their hat or something like that, because you, when you have millions of eyes on you, it's part of your business now. 
but as we're talking like your podcast people listen to it and people want to support it and people want to do whatever they're going to do with it and obviously if you have that kind of drive which i have as people know there's nothing lazy about me and and i I know your listeners are exactly Listen, you can't be a fisherman and be lazy. I'm telling no. you that now. Everybody no. knows that. That's why I respect that trade so much. It's a mm-hmm. deadly trade, too. And yeah. uh, people don't know how dangerous it is. And and I get when they get mad at, at law enforcement, whether it's uh, Coast Guard, whether it's cops on the water, whether it's cops at home coming to busting your chops, you're working hard. The little businessman is the one who gets screwed a lot of this in this world mm-hmm. and uh, kind of pisses me off to a degree. And I, now I have the voice to open some eyes. And that's my, my ultimate goal was not so much money. It never was because I was never just happy getting money. Right. My ultimate goal was to have a voice to open people's eyes to what really the system is like and how many people. You got to remember, trust me, I, I am a victim's advocate as well. So people don't. Oh, what about the victim? Oh, I believe me. I helped them. I try to go. I've tried to contact people. I've robbed. Some said, hey, man, keep it going, Larry. Listen, what happened, happened. You know, keep going. We're proud of you. Mm-hmm. So my point with, with this is that I want to show people that, one, you can do it. I don't care who you are in this world, Ted. You can make it. I got out of prison at 46 years old, $67,000 in debt. And nothing, zero. And I went to prison as a multimillionaire. Right. So, but the government takes it all. Everything happens, and and that's the end of that. And you can't bitch, you can't cry. That's that's life. And mm-hmm. you know, the the guys who owe me, guys, are the ones that I look at. So, yeah, it's like I tell people, you talk about fishermen. Listen, something happens out on that water. It's not owe me. You better fix it. You know, <laughs> I don't care. Fires, a boat engine. You better know what you're doing, or you you can die. And mm-hmm. you're not coming back. And right. if you don't want to do that, don't don't get in that profession. Go to be a nine to five employee. Mm-hmm. And that's not that profession. We all know that. And right. uh, so that's why I even agreed. I said I'll definitely do this, Ted. When you talk to me about what you you know is the business people, and I started thinking about that, I said, wow, he's right. You know, these guys are just like I was. I would have been a fisherman. I would have been a you know I would have stayed in the Coast Guard because I love the water. I love the that you never know what's going to happen. Listen, a wave can hit you one way, it can hit you another way, especially in Alaska. Road mm-hmm. waves, a lot of stupid things. And so, you know, there's never a dull moment. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to just, you know, take a nap and forget it. But boy, you're always on edge. Don't anybody kid you. But, and you know that as a fisherman yourself. So, Absolutely. and we can talk about the trials and tribulations of business or whatever you want. I hope I updated your audience pretty well on what I've done and where I've been. And, and again, I'm an open book, Ted. I tell it, people that you can it, ask any question from what happens yeah. in the joint to business. Well, it, it's very eye opening to me to, to hear you say all this is, and, and what really is astounding to me, Larry, about, you know, your, your skill set is that you're an incredible storyteller. And in the YouTube channel that you've got going right now, and I really strongly, it, 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 you know, encourage people to uh, go to YouTube and search for Larry Lyon. You'll you'll find them. <laughs> and and I don't know how many videos you've recorded there now about your 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 uh, um, uh, your life and that sort of thing. But what is it, twenty or so, something like that? Well, but, no, 
What we have, Ted, and I'm doing something that nobody ever done on YouTube, and that's why it is growing. I have a best-selling book called Gangster Redemption. A matter of fact, it, to tell you a quick story, the book is Gangster Redemption. And what happened was I, I published it in 2012 myself after the publishers tried to screw me again. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, I'll learn that business. So they tried to screw me, and I said, I'm the publisher. I did. It was the best move I ever made. But anyway, so – it does okay. It's in stores. It was in Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, and online everywhere. Well, right. at that point now, I owned it, so I had to buy the books and put them out and send them to distributors, and I had distributors who do all that, of course. But mm -hmm. I own the whole bulk of the book. So anyway, in the publishing business, so what happened was as I started the YouTube channel, I decided, I said, you know what would be different? How about I read my book online? I'll tell you how you even maneuvered it in, in, the, in what happened. First of all, I had a YouTube channel. I did a video for Vanity Fair. So I did a video on reviewing movies, review, reviewing hype movies. That really? video right now, as we speak, three months really? ago, it happened okay. in November, same as when I started my business. Yeah. That video has 5.6 million views. That video oh. alone has 5.6 oh. million, most, one of the most on, on, on their platform. Really? So what was happening was, yeah, people can Google Vanity Fair, Larry Lawton, they'll find it. And what happened was I uh, was getting people subscribing to a YouTube channel I had no videos on. Now, I had an, a, a, a YouTube channel, but no one knew how to find that one. Right. So anyway, I closed the one I had down, and I brought some videos over to the one that I have now, mm -hmm. the YouTube channel that I have now. And I started just myself. I started this whole business myself. So I started putting the videos up, putting them up, and people, I'm getting subscribers, I'm getting subscribers. And I looked into the, the YouTube business and how to become a creator and a partner, and I did all of that. Right. And I learned and I watched videos till four in the morning and learned the business. So now I have a few people working with me, but I learned the business in a good way. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a great story about how I got my editor, but that's let, let's go on. So I ended up creating the, the videos and like you said, and people, but the first, here's how you adjust in business. I was literally verbatim for the first two chapters on my YouTube channel. I think there's three videos there. There, I actually verbatim read them, verbatim right. read them. So I was listening to the feedback, Ted, and people were saying, Larry, can you tell more stories in your own way and stuff of that nature? So I looked at all the comments, and sure enough, Ted, I said, let me do this a different way. Let me – I still do read the, the chapters, but that's for a podcast that's on Spotify. It's on mm -hmm. iTunes. So if a person's in their car, they can listen to that. It's literally the verbatim reading of my book. Right. But I also now do a second video of what we call the summarization of that chapter or that part of the chapter. And that has taken off because now I tell the story. But it is in the same format, meaning I follow the book. What mm -hmm. I'm going to do afterwards, I have hundreds of videos in the, in the can, hundreds because we're doing what they call the untold stories, uh, the cooking channel, uh, the uh, court series where I'm going to actual courthouse. I'm the interview all the characters. We have hundreds of videos in the can ready to go. I'm doing a gaming. I did a gaming video a week ago, and it's got 2 million views. 
a gaming. So it, what, what yeah, about? like I re- I reviewed GTA. First, funny story. Roundup. I'm, uh, I'm yeah. I didn't know what that. I'm watching the comments and I'm seeing that I'm seeing. Hey, Larry, you should review GTA V. GTA V. And I go, what are these people talking about? Right. I had to call my son. My son is 30 years old. He actually works for me now. And that's one of the biggest blessings in the world. I have my son working for me. If you don't, that is what makes this all this hard work worthwhile. So my son says, dad, he goes, that's GTA. That's Grand Theft Auto 5. I go, oh my gosh, I don't know that. He goes, so he's reading. Now he's working with me. And we're we're researching stuff. I have Instagram and all of this stuff. So and he actually controls that. I can't control all of it. So he uh said, Lad, Dad, you gotta do that. He goes, You're getting a lot of comments. People want you to review the game. Right. So I do. I review a game of GTA Vive, a jewelry heist in the game, and I review <laughs> it. That. And that has got two million views. I'm actually doing a podcast at two o'clock today where the guy's got five million followers. Wow. So, I mean, I'm I'm doing some stuff because they want to, uh, you know, see what's going on. They want to know how you do it. Of course, they want to know how to – listen, if I want to go on a fishing show, I want to talk to one of your captains or you, something – I don't want to talk to Larry Lawton about uh, fishing and the gear and everything else that goes mm-hmm. along with it or some stories mm-hmm. of, of the rough seas. I have all of those from the Coast Guard. But I'm talking right. about fishing stories, the four guys on a boat or six guys on a fishing, whatever you're, you know, that, that you're fishing for, the netting, or depending. But that's who I want to talk to. Well, right. if you want to talk about jewelry robberies, if you want to talk about the mob, if you want to talk about prison, come see me. Literally. So my yeah. point, yeah, you got to go to that expert, that, that, that subject expert. So anyway, it's so funny. And now that has taken off. And of course, we keep building on that. And now, obviously, like you said, bringing those videos over, starting all of that. We have about, I think I have 50 total videos in my library where, mm-hmm. like I said, we'll be at 10 million views in two days. Wow. What is today? Today's, I don't even know what today is. Today's yeah, Tuesday, the fourth, correct? Fourth, yeah. yeah, Thursday. After I put up my video Thursday, we'll have 10 million views, which cool. is just going, and you're talking about a few months. I mean, so yeah. actually YouTube said we were one of the fastest growing channels on YouTube. Oh, so, uh, the what? I, no, absolutely, you are. I mean, it, uh, by by far, you are. You know, you're in that top one. You know, tenth of one percent right now. That's exactly what they said. You are one, one, one. You are the one percent of the one percent. You know, it's yep. just it, you're at that point where you just. I mean, obviously, we got. 50 million or 80 million impressions all the internet it's just it's going nuts which is good Mm -hmm. but you have to now scale it you know and how do you scale it you know i couldn't do it alone i had to get my son i got an editor and i also have a business uh person who built a business prior to this to to a 30 million dollar business right so these people are now helping me advising me and obviously reaping the rewards because you can't do it alone you have to give some money away you got to do what you have to do if you mm-hmm. want to keep growing and doing what you love. And right I'm now, cool. like you said, I am a storyteller. I'm a hard worker. I, and, you know, people ask me, they go, wow, how do you prepare? I said, I don't. This interview, how did you prepare? I did not. I don't yeah. have to prepare. I, the stories are, I live them. 
It's like asking a fisherman if he comes on your show, does he have to prepare to how to tell you how to catch mackerel or whatever they're fishing? Of course not. not. He knows his topic. I know my topic. If it's about prison or what I did now, I don't have to sit and say, what is he going to ask me? I get a lot of guys who say, well, I'll send you questions. I said, no, you don't have to. Don't send me questions. Mm -hmm. I don't want your questions. You know, you ask me whatever you want. I'm going to tell you the truth. You might not like it. You you might like it. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to be. But I'm not going to, you don't need to do that if you understand what I mean. And I think that's what people should do more of. Right, right. Well, well, gosh, you know, you, you're, you're just giving us a ton of wisdom here in, you know, in some of the, in many of the things that you're doing and that sort of thing is you've really become the celebrity in your business, but you're doing the smart thing and you're hiring people underneath you you know, that they help you get through the in, entire process. And, and Larry's the front guy on this. And you're, you're, you're playing in, a, in an environment where you're the expert. And if you compare that to, you know, fishing guides and hunting guides and that sort of thing, um, like you were saying, you know, they, they don't want to listen to a hunting guide tell you how to quilt something. I mean, they want to, you know, they want to find out about, you know, you know where, where you're going to go to, uh, to shoot that goat. You know, and right. how you get a skin of deer. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you know, exactly. my point with this was, like you said, as being a front man or whatever, obviously the best thing I tell people is, and, and fishermen know this and your, your viewers and, and your listeners know this, you have to know a little bit about everything. And yep. that's what makes you successful. I know how to edit. If I had to, I know mm-hmm. how the marketing end of it. I, of course, obviously the, I had I had a police uh, 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 was it a chief or a very big wig said to me, Larry, this is, you're the, you're one of millions that have done what you've done, come out of it the right way and are mm-hmm. not screwed up in the head." Which uh, maybe that's a little questionable right now, Ted. But my my point is, I I have to know a little bit about everything, and yeah, then like I I know social media, but my son knows social media. He knows what works, what people want, the age, age demographics, why they want it. And, and we have those meetings and I learn and then I implement it or not, or slow them down or speed them up. Sometimes mm-hmm. when an older guy wants to be more cautious. This is a fast paced business. I yep. would give you a case in point. I did a uh, live show. They call it, you know, live uh, uh, YouTube show. Yeah. Live and feed. I did that when I hit, Right. I did that when I had 10,000 subscribers. That was the thing. I, then I did it. I'm going to tell you what happened. So I did that thing. I had no idea what I was doing. None. Literally didn't even know how to click the button. Oh, to stop a question or whatever. So mm-hmm. it went so well. I mean, it just, it just kept going. I mean, brrr, I mean, going down. Well, what do we find out that there's some people who say nasty things to other groups or some, you know, bad stuff that does not belong in my, in my, my platform or any platform, if you ask mm-hmm. me. So we had to understand and I had, okay, whoa, okay. that so we had to learn what the we we had to get what they call moderators who now can screen those and get rid of right. somebody saying vulgar stuff against people or women or, you know, something bad. That's not, it's not, it does not belong in, in anybody's wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so I learned that, but if I did not do that at 10,000 subscribers and waited to get more and do stuff, I would have screwed up later. So mm-hmm. then I do another one at 75,000 subscribers. 
But I had two moderators that were screening people, like getting rid of that garbage, the prejudices, anything bad, we got rid of it. Mm-hmm. And it worked so well, 10 times higher uh, what we had in revenue from it and what we had in uh, uh, likes, they call them, and, and the forwards and stuff that, that makes YouTube happy. Right. Then now I'm going to do another one probably in the next few days when we hit 50, uh, 250,000 subscribers. So we're going to have a quarter million subscribers in the next week. And I'm going to do a, uh, another show and I'll be ready with an extra moderator and I'll, I'll have enough that we, we know what to do. Now, if I didn't take that chance, Ted, and just start doing it, I told the older guy that works with us who built the company, he was in the ad business. Mm-hmm. I said, Some, this is not a business where you have a multiple meetings and you go back and forth with emails and you do this and it's another six months before you do anything. You know, right. the, the business will pass you by. I said, yes, this well. is a fast-paced, young business. So what I did was overrode him on a few things, but his wisdom is so valuable because it puts a check on me, gets my brain thinking, wait, mm-hmm. maybe he's right. Maybe not. And then make that decision, you know, and say, nope, okay, let's go with it anyway. You mm-hmm. know, and just a case in point, he wanted to slow down. He didn't want to do a gaming video. But right. I saw, I read comments all the time on my on my uh, uh, YouTube channel. I read them all the time. I just that's what I'll do if I'm in an office before a call or something. I'll just sure. read some comments and I and I reply to lots of them. So what happened, uh, Ted was he kind of was more cautious in this and not not a percentage of a view. I said no, nah, I'm gonna disagree with you on that. I got the young guys on, you know, obviously they said, well, you know, that, that's the big thing. Sure enough, now that's our number one video at over 2 million views, over 2 million views. Right. And now I have other videos with a million and a half, million something views and 600,000 views and stuff of that nature. But that's when I had it. But it's good that he said that because now it's something for me to think about or where to go or next. And that is having the people with you who, you want to tell you things that you might not want to hear. You don't want yes men around you in business. You want people exactly. to, to, to put something in your head that maybe slows you down or makes you think. And then when you make that decision, you live with it and, and you mm-hmm. die with it. And mm-hmm. obviously in past time, I, not, I never had this success. I made those bad mistakes by not listening to people. Back sure. in, the, in the early days, and when I first got out and this business started going, I'd listened. I'd bought things I shouldn't have bought. I tried this, and and, and I, they didn't work, and yeah. I lost money, and I struggled and struggled and struggled, but I never quit on my core love of, one, helping people. I love mm-hmm. to help people. I love mm-hmm. to help young people. I love to open the people's eyes of a broken system, a criminal justice system that's totally broke and a prison system. The United States complains about every other country's human rights. And I get so pissed, Ted, because we, the United States of America, has the worst prison system in the free world. That's by numbers alone. And I'll give you a number. The United States has 5% of the world population, 5% the United States, Mm -hmm. but they have 25% of the world's prison population. That just doesn't hold water. Yeah. Incredible. 23.9% 23.9% or whatever it is, yeah. but it's, it's, it's crazy. And, and that, that is totally what, what shows somebody that 
listen, you're doing something wrong and you're complaining about this. You know, we have private prisons, Ted. That mm-hmm. means there's a company out there that makes money when you screw up or you, they keep you in prison. They can say what they want. Oh, we don't need that. We have enough. Gu-. That's BS. When your bottom line says, hey, if we keep people in another month long and we're going to get another point percent or whatever, they're mm-hmm. business people. Mm-hmm. They're using people's lives and they're destroying them. And there's young people who have moms and dads and wives and children. And yes, they made mistakes. No question prisons are needed. Right. I'm not here to be a liberal heart. I'm no way one of those. I believe in holding a person accountable, but I don't believe in torture. I don't believe mm-hmm. in putting your foot on his neck to, to make his life just miserable for the rest of his life. Well, you know, what are we doing? We're creating people who are just going to come out and be, I, I tell it this way. I said, let me tell you something. You might hate prisoners. Okay. I get that. You got it. You had a rough, something happen to you. You hate them. But here's my point. Do you want to lower, do you want to lower the crime rate? Do you want to you know, prevent maybe people from dying? stuff? Of course they say, mm-hmm. I go, well then you know what you want? You want prison rehabilitation because here's the deal. 96% of people in prison are getting out. That's that. There's, there's nothing around it. 96%. Right. Do you want the guy living next to you to come out with hope and maybe get a job and, and, and be a productive member of society, pay his taxes, maybe help you if something happens? Or do you want the guy who's miserable, mean, and you might be his next victim, victim when, mm-hmm. when, he, when he loses it, when mm-hmm. there's no more that he wants? Do you want that guy or do you want that guy who's going to be that productive member of society? This has nothing to do with – did he do his punishment? If you are right. in prison and you deserve wheat, that's a whole nother topic because I think we're way hard. I mean, you know, drugs, marijuana, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Who really? Come on. That, that's the biggest non-issue in, in the world. And I've done every drug in the book. I don't do anything, but I, I right. smoke marijuana for medicinal purposes, and it actually helps me. I, I hurt, when I hurt my back in the service, I crushed my spine. If you saw pictures mm-hmm. of my spine, you go, oh my gosh. But yeah. anyway, uh, I have rods in it. I have three major surgeries. I got uh, 15 vertebrae fused. So, but that's besides the point. My point is we need to be more compassionate. We need to be more understanding. And yes, listen, the first thing I tell people when I speak at big, large groups is, let me tell you something. There are people in prison I don't ever want to see get out. I lived with Mm -hmm. them. I mean, Mm -hmm. people who would kill you before blinking. I mean, cut your head. There was a guy in prison that cut a man's head off with a shank, with a, oh, a, a really? piece of steel. Cut his head off. Literally cut the head off. So there are people in there that are straight animals, psychopaths. I don't want them to live next to you, Ted, or me, or, or my relative, or any of your listeners. I don't want them living next to people. They don't belong mm-hmm. to get out. There's a way to handle that. But, you right. know, there's a lot of people in there who got caught. Maybe they were... You know, and your fishermen will understand this. You know, it's a rough business. They're not making money. And all of a sudden, a deal came along. They they moved a few kilos. And it's okay, you know, right or wrong. Of course, it's wrong. They got caught. They got busted. Should they lose the rest of their life? No. Should they be stabbed, abused in prison? No. Hold them accountable to, I think, a a smaller standard than we have. And make them learn the lesson that, hey, you can't. You know, this is not the way to do business. This is not the mm-hmm. way to live your life and why and rehabilitation and change their lives. And most of your fishermen who are my age will understand, hey, I did a lot of shit in my life. 
and I could have been, you know, in trouble and, and one of those yeah. didn't get caught. Sure. And most people mm-hmm. are Ted. Mm-hmm. And my point is, what do we do? What, why are we treating, well, we got private prisons who want to say, Oh, we're doing good, but you're making millions of dollars of other people's suffering. Having, right. what is your goal in prison to make money as a business? So what do you do? You have less guards supervising people. So there's more violence in that prison. You have, mm-hmm. you, you want to cut and save money. So you cut money on medical. That's the big thing. Then you yeah. cut money on food. You're going to save money. Hey, our numbers aren't right. We got to save money. Well, we got to stop that. I mean, that private mm-hmm. prisons is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And, and it's a shame, you know, and, uh, but I, oh, you got me on a tear now, Ted. So, <laughs> all right. Not, I'm looking at my a, time I, and I, I got something going at, soon. I got no, about another 20 minutes. I got a nine thirty call. Oh gosh. Yeah. If, if you've got a couple extra minutes, that, that would be great. Yeah. I mean, no, no, I, I'm good. I'm good yeah. for another 50. I got a, I got a nine thirty call to make Ted. That's what I got. Okay. So, okay. I told, well, I mean, so we got 20 minutes. Yeah. What you're showing us is just an incredible passion that you have. And that's what a business person has to have. I mean, if, and, and, and a lot of fishermen, well, as most, have a real passion for what they do. And that passion may be um, an environmental passion. It may be a, a passion for helping people create memories on the water. You know, um, I, I tell the story a lot that, that um, you know, fishing guides and fishing and, and hunting outfitters and that sort of thing, they have a very, very honorable place in this world because on somebody's deathbed that may be a business another business guy and they just live their business their entire life they're not sitting on their deathbed you know going through the litany of all the great business decisions they've made i would hope not you know they're going through you know the time they spent with their family and and the time that bob took them out on his fishing boat and they got that 47 pound chinook salmon that's what they're remembering and the fishing guides are the ones that provide that. They're the, you know, they're the conduit of that. And what an honorable profession that they have. And they need to take that passion that they have for that, just like your passion for, you know, the, 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 the prison systems and reform and that sort of thing, and, and share that with the world because that can help them help more people and grow their business right along the, you know, the same lines. You know, Ted, you said something so important there. And a, a, an old time business guy told me, he goes, Larry, he says, there's nothing wrong with making money and helping people. You can do both. He goes, so, so don't, you know, people say, oh, you, why are you making so much money? With it? Make all the money you want. If you still keep it with your same, uh, your values or your same stuff. Like you just said, I love what you just said, because it's so true. To this day, I have one of the greatest memories, a bunch of memories of me on charter boats. Yep. the captains and, and having fun. And, and I used to charter them all the time, 60 foot hatteris. And uh, yeah, I was a bad guy. We had some, but I had some great times and those guys were, were the best. And like you just said, I always said this, Ted, I never want to sit on my deathbed and say, I should have. And mm-hmm. I, that, that, I don't ever want those words to come out. Of, and I don't care what it is, business, right. traveling, sex. I don't care what it is. I never want to say I shoulda. Mm-hmm. That's missing out. And you know, uh, like the captains, like you said, the profession you're talking about, uh, charter boat captains and sightseeing tour captains, they are making other people's lives 
so happy. You know, they should be at such joy when they get off their boat or that night ends and they worked hard and everybody knows they do. And the people walking off or maybe had a few drinks, they're laughing, they, 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 they're taking pictures with everybody. They have made memories for those people that were, are forever. That's right. And it's to me, like you said, one of the most honorable professions and it's needed because mm-hmm. you probably saved a life because somebody stressed out all the time and now you help them through that. And yep. now the guy's going to, you know, yep. look at life different or maybe make changes. Absolutely. That yep. profession, the fishing profession yep. is needed. Yep. You know, we need fishermen to go out there and put, build the fishing stuff or, and, and local fishermen, small boat. Fish. I love those guys. Yeah. Of course, like you said, those guys in Montauk, they're coming in and they're selling that fresh fish to a local restaurant right there. Mm-hmm. And boy, nothing better than when I see some fishing boat off the end of a pier and, and they say, catch it a day. And it is, oh, if that's not, if that doesn't light you up, nothing will. But what so you true. said is so important. And, and people in business have to realize that. You deserve to charge what you can do, and obviously with the mark, that's all business, yep. and get what you get because you are are exactly providing a service. You know, if, mm-hmm. if I have a lot of money and I want to go to a charter fishing boat, yes, I'm going to look at pricing and stuff. But if that guy was good to me and I had a great trip for him, if I get on and make a phone call and I know I'm going to have a great trip again, and that guy's I'm going to give a number, $1,000 for the day, and this guy is $800. And I know the guy that 1000 made that my trip so good the night before. Guess what? I'm paying the $1,000. Yep. So yep. I think it's totally right, you know, and that's a passion you get. I met the captain. I got to know them. I used to call them up, say, hey, you got the boat? Yeah, when do you want to go, Lar? Okay, right. here this. Obviously, I was paying cash. It was crazy times back in the day, mm-hmm. I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. But, well, yeah. <laughs> but you, yeah. you know, it's, it's memories to this day. You know, I'm 58 years old. I'll be 59 this year. And they're memories I had when I was in my 30s, you know, that, young that's right. 30s. That, that's right. So, you know, and it's very flattering. I, I talked to a, a guy just yesterday uh, that I've been working with. And one, the conversation went to this, you know, uh, this topic, if you may. And we were talking about people calling him that had fished with him three years prior, you know, and people calling up and, and they're just calling, calling and go, hey, Rick, this is Tom. I want to go fishing again. Well, Rick doesn't remember Tom because he fished 600 people since then, right? But, oh, Tom, sure, sure, sure. but Tom, three years ago, still thinks Rick's his new best friend because he went fishing with him, you know, with this, with this guy that knew everything about fish, you know, and... Uh- and, and these guys, these guys get all these am- invitations to weddings and parties and all this stuff that they don't even remember the people at, at times. But that just goes to show what good you're doing in this world, because like you were saying, you're giving people this avenue, you know, uh, uh, to get out of their current, you know, nine to five or whatever they're doing and relax a little bit, you know, and, and uh, you're right, it could save a life, you know, if you just let the guy relax a little bit and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and just, you know, Ted, you know, Ted, when, when we at our ages now and or whatever age people are, when you think back of all the things you've done and you can sit something that happened 30, 40 years ago Mm -hmm. and you say, man, I remember that time. Wow. What a time I bet you remember the guy's name. You remember what his 
boat look like. Yeah. And you're saying that that is what they call an imprint. Yes. And an imprint yes. is something that comes from the inside out. It's in the soul. It really, it, you imprinted something in a guy's mind and soul that he will never forget. And, mm-hmm. you know, there are stories of guys or with Alzheimer's and my dad passed of Alzheimer's. So I did a lot of research yeah. and, uh, yeah. it was so, it was so crazy because he would remember and spout off something that happened that had absolutely nothing to, we don't know what it was, but it was an imprint in him that affected him so much that his brain, not conscious will talk about it. And, yeah. and if you ever ask anybody who's done a, a great fishing charter, they always will say, man, I will never forget that time I was with, you know, the boat down over Sebastian Inlet down here where I am. Yeah. And I, and then I did it multiple times. So I did get to know them and the guy wanted to go out and we did go to dinner and something, but I, but I was on his boat probably 10 times, 15 times, right. you know, right. and, and he had his crew and he, he knew how we were as customers. Hey, listen, these guys don't care about fishing. They want to party. You know, mm-hmm. so let's just make the party the great party. And so he became a right. party planner and right. he loved it because we did fish and we did come home with fish and we did come home with pictures and we did have stories. And, and I still laughing inside right now, thinking about some stories that old gangsters I was on that ship with <laughs> that, you know, people, I tell stories at parties and they start laughing. And where did the story originate on a charter fishing boat? That's so, right. Uh, and I, I, that's a great profession, and all these professions have honor in them. Everyone, right. I, you know, I told a guy one time, I said, listen, I don't care if you're a ditch digger. If you are a great ditch digger, you're mm-hmm. going to be remembered. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. I said, listen, you're going to do it so right that someone's going to say, man, I remember that guy. He made such a perfect circle, and he didn't mess my whole other lawn up, and he did whatever he, he did. And, you know, take pride in that. And There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. You take a guy who digs holes for graves. You are mm-hmm. making somebody's life better when that dirt's not falling in on the, the thing while the guy's speaking. And, right. and you did it because you made it right for him. And, you know, mm-hmm. you don't realize what, what affects people. And I don't care what profession you're in. It has to do with wanting and liking what you do. And I, I'm a big believer in that. I yep. know we have to make money and you, you know, I don't even call the people go, man, well, man, this is great work. I said, this ain't work. I'm enjoying opening eyes. I'm enjoying mm-hmm. it. Yes. Do I do it for long hours? Do I not exactly. sleep? Do I get up and have some responsibilities? Absolutely. But yep. you know, I still love what I do. So as you love what you do, you don't consider it work. The four letter word I call it work. Oh man, the guy, you know, get the guy gets up. Oh man, I gotta go to work. I hate this thing. And they're trudging through life. You know, an old friend told me this. He goes, Larry, you know what life's about? Life is the journey because the ending sucks. And, it, and he made yeah. me laugh. He goes, <laughs> we're all going wherever we're going in this world. Whatever your beliefs are, that's okay. He goes, mm-hmm. but let's face it, the ending is it. It's the end. That's why they call it the end. He yes. goes, so make the journey fun. Make yeah. the journey what it's about, not the end result. And mm-hmm. I know that because as a multimillionaire before, I had nothing when I got out. Literally zero yeah. in debt, hustling for a few dollars so, so I could go have a beer and understanding what's in my pocket. 
And, mm-hmm. oh, man, I can only have one beer or two beers at the bar. And you try right. to, you know, put off the, oh, things are great. It's not. But, you know, when I had the money, I was always chasing something. So I yeah. think I was chasing the right journey. And obviously, I'm on a better journey now. So all the stuff's happening to me. Like uh, the point of thing, I just did a thing, and I'll tell your audience about it now. We got my book. We, did, we just did a special edition run of my book. And what the, the special edition is, is we have a, a limited edition, 3,000 copies were printed, and it, we had to take pre-orders, actually. And I'm signing every single book with a number. Oh. So person has a That's book, cool. it'll be one of 3,000, six of 3,000, third, 300 of 3,000. That is it. It's a limited edition, signed copies by me. So, and so I'm, cool. not, I'm not charging crazy. I'm only charging 20 bucks. Nineteen dollars. Mm-hmm. People go, why are you doing it so cheap? I said, I'll tell you why. Because I was looking online and I kind of got mad because people were taking advantage of people. My book was going for two hundred dollars, hundred and sixty dollars. Yeah. yeah, I saw that. People take yeah, and, and I said, This is crazy. I was getting people, are you gonna do anything? And I, a guy in Europe, I have to charge thirty dollars for international shipping. Because it's mm-hmm. just that's what it costs. I, I couldn't help that. It's anywhere right. between twenty six dollars, twenty seven. So I put thirty dollars. It's gonna be a lot of work. So I put thirty dollars. People are not even caring because in England, they called me. I have a very big following in the UK. They were getting four hundred and six hundred dollars for my book. Oh wow! I said, this is crazy. I the guy showed me it up there. I go, are you kidding me? That's amazing. He goes, Larry, we, we will gladly pay the $30 shipping. And you're signing them and everything? I said, yep. I said, I'm doing it. I got it. I had to hire a girl just, you know, who's going to be there. They're on their way. I didn't put the announcement out until we knew what was going yeah. on. And now I, I have to hire a girl, which once they're in, I'll hire a girl. It's just a box mm-hmm. them. I have to find them all. It's going to be a lot of work. But I know right. it's going to make people happy. I'm actually oh. going to love this story. Uh, a person called me and uh, uh, emailed me and asked if I could sign a special thing to the book to because his girl, it's a surprise. And she listens to me all the time with him. And it's her birthday. I want one special. I said, I'll tell you what, give me her phone number that day and I'll call her. We'll, we'll have a talk on the phone. He goes, you're going to wow. do that? I said, absolutely. Wow. If I can make yeah. that person happy like that for a phone call for five, ten minutes, you know what? I can do that. You know, and I, I hope to always be able to do that and and i will well i of course you can't do them all you know that obviously Mm -hmm. but you can Mm -hmm. do something and if if, if you can do it because it's the journey that's making me happy and it really is uh, Ted. uh doing your show i'm enjoying it and telling your listeners i hope we affect one or two or five listeners that maybe Absolutely. get motivated and show themselves hey i can do it i had fucked up oh, excuse me <laughs> better bleep that out no, no, but, that's a you know, okay. <laughs> I don't know if you can. I had a messed up life, and you know, and I, I want to, you know, man, if Larry could do, because trust me, Larry's no different than any other man out there. If you, if I can do it, you can do it, and that's what I like to show. And I had judges tell me that. That's why my sub program is so successful mm-hmm. because I tell you, show people that no matter who you are, you can make it, and that's what yeah. that's important. <laughs> You know, and I got to go here in a few minutes. Uh, not, a, not a problem. Well, we'll, we'll just go ahead and, and wrap things up. Larry, I can't thank you enough for uh, joining us today. I'm, I'm positive that uh, 
you know, you, uh, you're making a difference in people's lives. You've made a difference in our lives and thinking about having that passion for business and, 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 and the tools that you've been using to promote your business is something that, uh, you know, are, are open to anybody anymore. It isn't that expensive to, you know, jump on the, the social media bandwagons and the, and the YouTubes out there and, and have that passion. And, and like you were saying, you know, to imprint what's important to you can be imprinted into other people also. And, and, and these tools that are available for us to promote our business like this anymore are just fantastic in what they can do. And you've obviously become a master in it. And, and again, we just thank you for your time and your compassion and your passion in, uh, in what you do. You know, Ted, I, I was an honor to come on. I appreciate it. It humbles me that people do keep calling and want me on shows. And, and I take every one of them and say, wow, what's my schedule? What's the timing? Little or big, it doesn't matter. You have to look at people and say, well, how are you going to affect whatever? I always said this world needs more people who want to help other people in whatever way we can do it. And if I could help your show, another show, or like I said, the people out there with their boats or, or their businesses saying, you know what? I can do it. I, I just love that part of it. And I want to thank you for, for calling me and, and contacting me. And you know what? Sometime we have to do this again. And, we do. Uh, see where you're at, where I'm, and I'd gladly do it. Uh, sounds like I made a friend, and, and I'm happy about that. And stay in touch, Ted, really. And, and I hope your listeners, actually, they can get online and get the book or whatever. We, got a, we, we already sold, in a day, we sold 1,000 pre-orders. We only have 3,000. Wow. Once wow, that's, that's up, they're done. And uh, if they want to go, they can just go to uh, – if they go to YouTube and they just go in on the community page or something, they'll find it. And you uh, they can get that. But thank well, you, Ted. I appreciate your help. And, uh, you know, keep at it yourself, man. I, I love people who have a passion too. So tight, tight it was lines great talking to you. Yeah, tight lines to you, Larry. And, and thanks for being a friend, man.